We are in week five and our conclusion of our series, Made for More. The first week we talked about the fact that God has made you some timeless promises for a life of fulfillment. God made you those promises 3,500 years ago. You say, well, how do I know those are still for me and not just for the Israelites? Well, we know because they keep showing up all throughout the Bible. Literally, cover to cover in this book, the promises are universal and eternal because God keeps mentioning them. If you don't hear anything else in this series, hear this. You need to know the promises of God and understand them and pursue them. Go after all that he has for you. What a tragedy would be for one day for you to show up in heaven and realize on how much you missed out on this earth and what God wanted to do in your life on this day. That's what this series is really all about. Then starting on Easter, we began the journey of going through the four core promises first mentioned in Exodus 6, verses 6 and 7. This passage is read during every Passover from Moses' time up through our time. God told Moses to tell the Israelites, I'm going to do four things. The Israelites call them the four I will statements. And the first is, I will bring you out from under the yoke of the Egyptians. So that's what he wants to do. The first one is simple. It happens in an instant And that is salvation, where God removes you from your current location where you're trapped and under the yoke of bondage. And he didn't want to really mix this promise with any of the other promises because he wanted it to remain incredibly simple. It's by his grace, salvation, the free gift of God. If you mix other promises with that promise, you might try to work your way into heaven and you can't do that. It's not by works. Salvation happens not by works, but by his grace through faith in Jesus Christ alone. And then once you're saved, he brings you to the second promise. He says, I will free you from being slaves to them. Now, when I first read that, it sounds like the same promise. Wait a minute, you just freed us from slavery. Now you're freeing us from slavery again? Well, you can be out of slavery, but still have a heart of slavery. In their case, you can be out of Egypt, but still have Egypt in you. In our case, you could be a Christian, but you still have issues. You still have attitudes. You still have addictions. You still have anger. You still have things you're battling with. And he wants to free you from all that. Truth be known, most people never get past this promise. They spend their whole Christian life working on their issues. Every Sunday I come to church and just trying to repent of the stuff I did this last week. And God's got so much more for you than that. I hope you know that. At some point, you need to experience a promise of deliverance where God closes the door on your yesterdays once and for all. And it is a very freeing thing. Some of you need to listen to that message. You can listen to it on our website, colonialhill.org, or through our podcast on iTunes or Google Play. Just search for Colonial Hill Baptist. The message was called Get Free. The third promise is I will redeem you with an outstretched arm and with mighty acts of judgment. We talked about that last week. Studies show 87% of Christians never get to this promise. Here's the problem with that. If you never get to this promise, you will never get to the promise that we're talking about today, which is the way that God wants you to live. That's the ultimate way to live life. God wants to redeem you. He wants to put you back to your original intent, which is what redeem means. So you need to go on a search, which we provide at this church. We want to help you discover and understand why you specifically are on this planet in the first place. And then he says, finally, after I redeem you, I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. What's interesting to me about this one is all the previous ones were individual, you, you, you. And then he says, I'm now going to take you as an individual. I'm going to put you in a group. I'm going to group you together on a team with a church in a small group. 
I want to group you together. God never fulfills his best in individuals. He does it in a group. And I'm going to tell you why in just a moment. And the next sentence I love, he says, then you will know that I am the Lord, your God. It's only then that you realize what Christianity is all about. One of my pet peeves in life is when people reject Christianity, but they don't even know what they're rejecting. They're rejecting the institution of church or they're rejecting um, maybe a, a hurt from other Christians. They're not rejecting Christianity. If they truly understood who God was and what he was all about, they'd say, I want to be a part of that. And, and, and so I, they're, they're rejecting what they think God is and it's not biblical. God's got a lot for you. And if you knew what he was all about, you would want in. It's then and only then that you know that I am the Lord, your God. So we've been talking about what these four promises mean to us. The first promise is salvation. But I want to show you how Colonial Hill tries to fulfill each of these promises. He is lit we're literally developing our program, uh, programming and, and our ministry, shaping our ministries around these four ideas. The way we see the promise of salvation fulfilled at Colonial Hill is through these services, through Sunday services. Meaning, we don't only think that Sunday services are for church people. This isn't for church people. This is for all people. Amen, everybody? Like everybody should be coming to church. And so we're gonna make this, uh, where, where, again, we want church people to enjoy it, certainly, but that's not the only reason we gather on Sundays. We also gather for people who don't know anything about God to come and find out about God, and, and that's why we do what we do. So we wanna organize ourselves in such a way that our services are meaningful for new people. Some of you are here for church to church. You're like, I just came because my mama's here. I'm just here to help her. I, I wanna make this fun for you. Um, I, I, I spend a lot of time trying to break down the Bible. If you're not familiar with the Bible, I define churchy words and you go, I, I kind of understand what that means now. We go above and beyond trying to give away free t-shirts for first time guests. And I know some of you, like you, we're changing up the bulletin. That's not a done deal. It's not forever. I, we're just trying some things out. Like, I love the bulletin. It's, like, it's okay. All right. It's okay. All right. I love you. We're just trying some stuff out. We're just trying to reach people. And, and if you read it, you see it's really for guests. It's not for us, right? It's not for the church people. It's for the unchurched people because we want them to feel welcomed here. We want them to feel loved here. So we're just, again, we're just trying some stuff out. Bear with me. The deacons approved it, okay? So don't put it all on me. Um, <laughs> but we're trying to make this a great experience, which by the way, it's working. Last month, not youth group, not Sunday school, not anything else that we do as a church, in our Sunday services alone, more than 65 people, like we have names, contact information, we know who they are, more than 65 people put their faith in Jesus Christ and got saved last month alone. Come on. That's awesome. That's what this is about. So you get saved. Now what? What's next? What do you do next? Because God wants to free you from this heart of slavery. And this is what most people think Sunday mornings are supposed to be about, but we just move it to a different place. Where am I gonna be free? Where am I gonna dive deep? When am I gonna get discipled? Where am I gonna grow? Who's gonna help me with my problems? And for us, that's going to happen in small groups, in small groups. And this is the place where you take off the mask and say to somebody, help, I got issues. You don't have to tell everybody, but you need to tell somebody, and that happens in relationships. It's through the safety of friends going through the same thing that you're going through. And we'll do them in three semesters here. We'll do them in the spring. 
We've got one starting just in a few weeks in the summer, and we'll have one in the fall. And we're actually going to launch our shortest semester, our six-week summer semester, on June 23rd. By the way, if you've ever thought about hosting a small group, this would be the greatest time to do it. You're going to hear more details in the weeks to come. But this is our shortest semester. You say, you know what? I'm kind of interested in doing that. We're going to give you some training. We're going to put the cookies on the bottom shelf. We're going to make it really easy for you. Go, oh, I think I can do it. I think I can lead a group. It's a ton of fun. Uh, But I want you to pray about possibly leading a group. You say, I'm going to be on vacation one or two weeks. That's fine. Get a co-leader. But I'd love for you to lead a group. I'd love to have 30, 40 groups going on in our church and see as many of us as possible finding those relationships. That's the heart of small groups. You find relationships and then you find freedom. Confess your sins to each other. Pray for each other. You'll get healed. That's what James 5 says. The third promise is the promise of redemption. And remember, redemption is putting something back to its original intent. So how do you find your redemptive calling? And for us, we do that through our Next Steps class. And that actually launched today in the Family Life Center. This is a one-and-done class. You come one Sunday, you will learn your purpose, you will learn how God wired you specifically, and then we can put you on a team. I want you to help you discover your purpose, develop your purpose, and then ultimately use your purpose. We had 20 people that came through the class today, and I would love for some time in the next couple of months for you to come and just check it out. All right? love for you to do that. It's our next steps class, 9.30 to roughly 10.30 in the Family Life Center every single Sunday. And finally, it's the promise of fulfillment. The promise of fulfillment. You may not understand why we see this promise fulfilled this way, but you will by the end of the message. You'll become fulfilled through what we call the dream team. And that's just what we call the 100 plus people who serve in some capacity at Colonial Hill Baptist Church. I want to start this message with a statement that's going to sound overly simplistic, but it's not. Um, but it's, it's massive, and I want you to feel it. I want you to almost reach out and touch this statement. I want you to take it in because the devil has lied to you a lot. Here's the statement. God has always intended for you to live a life of fulfillment. He's always intended for you to live a life of fulfillment. Many people have settled for much less than that, but God has always invited you and wanted you to live a life of fulfillment. Our church's name is Colonial Hill. There's a hill. We want to go to the top of the hill. We want to get all that God has for us. If there's more of God, I want the more. Amen, anybody? Like, I want all that God has for me, and he has more for you. You were made for more. It's embodied in one of the most powerful scriptures. You need to know the devil has a purpose for your life. Here's what John 10 says. The thief's purpose is to steal He wants to steal your happiness. He wants to steal your dreams. He wants to steal your ambition. He wants to steal all your relationships. He wants to kill your potential. And he wants to destroy everything around you and let you crawl into heaven barely surviving. But Jesus said, my purpose is to give life in all its fullness. I want you to have fullness. I want you to have fulfillment. I want you just to know that there's a best. So here's the question. Why don't we do that? Why don't we live life to the fullest? Why, why do some of us sit here unfulfilled? Why are we settling for less? I'm gonna give you three reasons on why we settle for less that coincidentally can be solved with the four promises of God that we just talked about. So three problems, why we settle for less, and the four promises actually address the three problems. Write these down if you're taking notes. The first one is we let our past cripple us. We let our past cripple us. Many of us uh, have had our sins forgiven but we have a devil almost sitting on our shoulders, whispering in our ears, constantly reminding of us our pa- of our past. You're a mess. You've got issues. So here's what happens. 
We go through life, but we're looking through the rearview mirror as opposed to the windshield in front of us. We spend all of our time focusing on the past as opposed to the future, the glorious, prosperous, amazing future that God has for us. Most of us still feel defined by our mistakes. We feel defined by our choices, by our pain, by a tragedy that happened in our lives. We still feel defined by our past instead of our future. Listen, listen, listen. That's not God's best for you. It's just not. If there are any of these three that I struggle with from time to time, it's honestly this one. I come up here and, and, and you see what appears to be confidence on this stage, but there's not a moment that I don't come onto this stage where the enemy's not whispering to me right before I walk up here and saying, hey, what are you doing going up there preaching? Why do you think you have the authority? You certainly aren't qualified or educated to do this. And he whispers in my ear, and then I have to come up here and try to deliver a message from God. <laughs> Reminding me of my inabilities. And then God reminds me, I didn't call me, God called me. That God filled me with his power and God anointed me. I'm not here because of my education. I'm not here because of my ability. I'm here because God chose me to put his presence and his power in my life. And he's doing the same thing in you. You have the power and presence of God in your life, but you've got to know that you can't let your past continue to stop you from God's best for you. You can't do that. Can I hear a good amen from somebody? Okay. Here's a great verse. If you identify with any of this this morning, Psalm 38, beginning in verse four, it says, my guilt has overwhelmed me. Like a burden too heavy to bear. It's, it's just, it, my guilt just overwhelmed me. For some of you, you're like, yep, yep, I'm sitting here this whole service and all I can think about is what I've done. It's what I've done. He says, I am bowed down and brought low. And that's the devil's plan for your life. He wants to bring you low, but God wants to set your feet high upon the rock. He wants to bring you up. That's what God wants to do. But the enemy wants to cripple you by your past. And by the way, you can solve this problem with promise number two. Confess it. And get prayed for in a small group. Relationships, relationships, relationships. Life change happens in the context of relationships. It can lock the door on your yesterdays once and for all. The second reason we're not living the fulfilled life is we let culture define us. We let culture define us. So in other words, we're running a playbook and a script, but it's not God's playbook nor script. I have a feeling if we took a poll of everybody in the room today and asked you, are you living the script that God has for your life? Most of you would say, no, I'm not. So the question remains, well, whose script are you running then? Well, you're living out the plan the devil has for your life. You were lured away by a counterfeit, a plan you thought was going to make you happy. Here's how this typically plays out. You tried career. You tried making money, you tried fame, you tried using your talents in some way, you climbed the ladder, then you got up there and you realized it wasn't quite what you thought it was going to be and it lacked the fulfillment that you thought it would provide. And this usually happens because you're trying to please men instead of please God and we can't do that, we can't do that church. We're responding to the pressures of culture which constantly lie and try to redefine who you are. Look at Galatians 1.10. It says, am I now trying to win the approval of men or God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I've got to find God's playbook. I cannot let culture define my life. I've got to find what God has planned for my life. And that's promise three. You need to go on a discovery of what that is. And for us, that's what our next steps class is all about. Those who went to the Next Steps class, can I get an amen from you if it was helpful today? Okay, it was good. I want you to come and learn, what does that look like for me? How do I do this? Here's the last one. It's a surefire way to make sure you will not live a fulfilled life is we try to do it all alone. We try to do it all alone. Now, why would I try to do it all alone? Well, Reed, I tried it with people, and people 
are hard. <laughs> right? Can we be honest this morning? People, sometimes people can be tough. They can be a pain. The devil has a plan for your relationships too. You thought he was just trying to mess up your marriage? Don't be so short-sighted. He was trying to mess up your marriage so bad that you would start to distrust everybody in your life. And you would just distance yourself from all people altogether. His plan is not just to end one relationship. He wants to end all relationships. He's trying to make you distrust people and make you guard it. It's just better if I live my life alone. No, look at Ecclesiastes 4.8. It says, there was a man all alone. He had neither son nor brother. There was no end to his toil. He got to have somebody. There's no end to his toil because he had no brother or son, yet his size were content we're not content with this wealth. So he made all this money, he had some levels of success, but he was still discontented because he was doing life alone. I want you to know that promise four solves this problem. I don't care what problems you face, what your past looks like, what culture is trying to make you do, God still has a promise available to you to live a fulfilled life, and I want that for you so badly, so badly. Back to the original promise. Look at this again, Exodus 6, 7. I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. I will take you as my own people and I will be your God. That's the first clue to the first, in the first part here. If you're gonna live a fulfilled life, you've gotta find a family. You've gotta find a church. I know a lot of you are visiting our church because it's Mother's Day. I just hope that you have a church that you go home to. Right? You gotta find a family. You gotta find a church. You gotta find a team. You gotta find a place. You can't just find out what you're good at. Oh, look, I'm a hand. You've gotta be connected to the arm. Right? If I cut off my hand, that's pretty gross to think about, and I laid it here on this, on this platform... In a week, it's going to look nasty, okay? It's going to be green and discolored and probably cold. Why? It's not connected to the body. Okay, so you can find out how, good, how God wired me in this way, but if you're not connected, you're going to fail. It's not going to work. You're not going to live this fulfilled life. You've got to be a part of something bigger than you. Uh, once you're connected, you not, only, not only do you have to find a family, but then God jumps into the equation. He says, then I will be your God. It literally means God steps into your life and partners with you about what you've learned about yourself and the fact that you're in a group to empower you to now do something really impactful on this planet. Now that you're part of something God's involved in, it's then and only then that you find the true meaning of life. Well, that's your opinion, Read You're a pastor. Well, let me show it to you. Let me prove to you that it's more than just church talk. Abraham Maslow in 1943 was a world-renowned psychologist, sociologist, and he discovered Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Now, a lot of you studied this if you went to college, so you know what I'm talking about. But it was a motivational theory where he discovered every person does things based on the fact that everybody has needs, and they act out in order to fulfill those needs. Now, he originally came up with five needs. There were other sociologists and psychologists over the years that added three more to the five. So now there's eight, and these are not Christian people all right, they're just scientists that are coming up with this, but I want to run through the eight very, very quickly here. The first one that he said is that we have physical needs. Okay, we all have the, the need to breathe, to eat, to sleep, to drink water. And you understand that you're, you're meeting a physical need right now just by you sitting there breathing. You have safety needs. You have a need to be protected, to lock your door, to Look over your shoulder to buy insurance. Everybody has safety needs. You do things because of your safety. You have love needs. All of us need relationships. We want to feel loved. Not only feel loved, we want to love other people as well. And then we have esteem needs. That's a need to be complimented. Hey, your hair looks great. Hey, thanks for all you do. Mom, you're the best. We need those things. We need 
esteem things. What's interesting about the first four, he called them deficiency needs. In other words, they're things to keep you alive. And it wasn't until you get to the next four that you realize why you're even on the planet. Those are the deficiency needs. These are the fulfillment needs. And they begin with cognitive, cognitive needs, meaning that all of us have a need to understand stuff. That's why you like Animal Planet, Discovery Channel, and documentaries. You enjoy that stuff because you want to know, you want to grow, you want to learn. Then you have aesthetic needs. This is the need for things to be beautiful. This is why we like beaches and mountains. This is why we paint our walls and we buy expensive centerpieces for our Mother's Day table, honey. Uh, they look beautiful, babe. I love you. Uh, we need everything to look pretty, right? And the next two are very interesting. The seventh one is self-actualization needs. I know that's a fancy name. Leave it to scientists to come up with a fancy name. But all that literally means is we have a need to fulfill our potential, to realize who we are, to dominate, to be the best team in football. I want to win, right? Now, Maslow thought that was the ultimate need. You find out your potential, that's the ultimate. That's the pinnacle, the top of the pyramid. But they kept finding that humans needed something greater than self-actualization. They discovered there was something greater than you meeting your own potential. You ready for this? They studied human behavior for years and finally came to the conclusion that people not only needed to reach their potential, but they needed to take that potential and leave a legacy. Make a mark affect generations to come, change people's lives. They call it transcendence needs. And I looked up the word transcendent in Webster's and it literally means living a life beyond yourself. You're exceeding usual limits. You've now figured out a way to go beyond. Well, how do I go beyond? He says, I will take you and make you a people and then I'll be your God. That's what God said. That's how you go beyond. That's how you be transcendent. He goes, I'm going to take you. I'm going to make you something great. And then I'm going to be your God. I've got something for you to do that goes beyond you. I want to put you in a place with a group of people where you're making an eternal difference that's changing lives, that's leaving a legacy, that's making a mark. And God says, then I'm going to jump in the middle of that. I'm going to bless that like crazy. I'm going to empower you. And people will be shaking their heads, looking at you, saying, I cannot believe what just happened at that church or in their lives. I call it ultimate fulfillment. And it can only happen if you pursue promise for it. It can only happen whenever you get with a group of people and do something that makes a difference for eternity. Here's how I worded it. Ultimate fulfillment comes when you're part of a family, part of a team, part of a group, part of a church, and making a difference because God is on your side. So how do you obtain promise for? By the way, the other promises we study, the other three really just lead to this one. Like they're not important, they're important, but this is the reason we're doing this whole series is to get you here. If you get to promise two or promise three, that's good. This is really what, this is our finish line. We've got to get to promise four. Church, I want to tell you one, one more time, settle for nothing less than this. This is God's design for you. This is his destiny for you. This is why Colonial Hill Baptist Church exists, is to make a difference through you. There are three steps to obtain promise for. Three steps. Jot them down if you're taking notes. The first is, it begins with a calling. It begins with a calling. In other words, every one of you have to realize, I'm part of this. Like what God ultimately wants to do, listen, our church is doing just fine without you. We're doing okay. Look around. It's a full building, okay? But we'd be doing so much better with you on the team. Get on the team. We want you to be, God, what God wants to do through this church, we need you to be a part of the team. So get off the sidelines and get in the game. 
Right? But you got to realize I'm part of this. Like I'm part of this. I've had people that have told me, well, I've done my time. I've served before. Listen, last time I checked, you got a pulse, all right? You have a, an eternity to take a nap. Let's get going. Let's serve Jesus and make a difference in this city. Come on, right? And, and, and so you're part of that. You got to realize that I'm part of it. No, Pastor Reed, you're the preacher. You got the call of God on your life. I can't stand it when preachers when they say stuff like that. Well, you know, 20 years ago, I surrendered to the call of God on my life. I gave up all the fun and surrendered to the ministry. What? Like, no, like living for Jesus is the most fun, most exciting days of my life. Like I don't, I never surrendered to the call. I'm, I'm, I love the call of Jesus. You have the call of Jesus on your life too. He wants to use you to make a difference in his kingdom. Every single one of you has a, God, a call of God in your life. And you need to start saying that too. Just look in the mirror. I've got a call of God on my life. I got a call of God on my life. Because you do. It may not be into full-time ministry, but there's a call of God. Listen to this, 2 Timothy 1. If you don't believe me, this is the message. He, or God, saved us, and then, say it out loud with me, called us to the holy work. Called us to this holy work. We had nothing to do with it. I'm called. I want, say that with me. I'm called. I'm called. I just want to start thinking that way. I'm called. I'm called. What's the calling? Write this down. I want to make a difference. I want to make a difference. That's, what, that's the calling. I want to make a difference. If I can make a difference in somebody else's life, wow, I'm all over that. You're a difference maker. You're called to make a difference. I wrote this. I like this. People lose their way when they lose their why. Oh, that's better than, y'all should have got an amen for that one. That was pretty good. Let me say it again. People lose their way when they lose their why. If you don't have your why, you're, you're, you're just going to be going through life. And there's people that are doing that that are just like, a, you know, I was 17, 18, 19. I had all these visions of all these things that I was going to become. And here I am in my mid-40s. And I got a job. It's okay job. I just work nine to five, come home, eat dinner, and play with the kids, go to bed, do it again tomorrow. God has more for you. You have a life of fulfillment. You were called. You were called, but you got to know that. I'm called. I'm called. I'm called. You lose your way when you lose your why. You need to learn why you're here. It doesn't matter what job you have, you're called by God. Number two, the second thing you have to do is you have to know that it stands on a cause. I'm going to explain that. It stands on a cause. To clarify, you're not just called to play the guitar. You're not just called to write a best-selling book. You're not just called to climb that mountain. Those are all great things, and there's nothing wrong with them. But God has more for you than human accomplishments. Your calling is to make an eternal difference. I call it the cause that counts. Your call is to something that matters. Look at Acts 20, verse 24. This is the New Living Translation. It says, but my life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the finishing the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus. The work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. I was telling our Next Steps class this morning, I said, there's something about you being on the greeting team and holding the door open for somebody and smiling. Hey, welcome to church. Or maybe you're one of the ushers and you help somebody find the nursery because they brought kids today. They didn't know that we had a nursery so their kids could be back there. They could worship in peace today in Jesus' name. You know, you just, you, you fill the role. You, you did your job. You did what God had called you to do. And then that person comes to faith and you go, wow, I had a small part in them coming to faith. Most people already make up an opinion about a church in the first seven minutes of them being here. Okay. So before I ever get on stage, they've already decided we're not coming back here, baby. I ain't coming back to this church, right? They've already decided that that happens through this team. So you get them here and they go, man, this, my kids had a great day in Sunday school. 
That teacher made them have such a great time. You know what? And that, that kid comes to faith, and he said, I had a small part in helping them de- discover Jesus. It's awesome. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for the finishing the work for finishing the work assigned to me by the Lord Jesus. In other words, you're to use your job, use your family, use your house, your talents, your money. I mean, use them for fun, sure, for you, sure. But ultimately, God gave you those things to make an eternal difference. Here's how I like to say it. I want to make a difference doing something that makes a difference. I want to make a difference doing something. I want to do something that makes a difference. Don't merely listen to the word of God and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. That's James 1. I want want to do something. It makes a difference. Because the only thing that matters at the end of the day are the things that last for eternity. Here's the third thing. If you omit this one, you can't fully obtain the fourth promise. Is number three, it spreads from me to we. It spreads from me to we. And my mother is in the room and she was an English teacher. I know that is not good grammar, but that's good preaching, mom. I'm sorry. It's from me to we. In other words, you can't do it alone. It is impossible. I mean, you'll accomplish some, but you can't get God's fullness unless you find a tribe, you find a team, you find a place. The hand has got to find the arm. The arm has got to find the elbow. The elbow's got to find this, whatever this is. The elbow has got to find the shoulder. You got to find it. You got to get connected. You got to get connected. You cannot get God's best until you get connected, which is why we have our dream team, okay? I don't like calling them volunteers because there's so much more than we're, we're, we're going after a dream. God's dream for your life. We're a dream team. That's what we call everyone who serves in some capacity at our church. You should never serve alone. You should serve on a team. Why? Look at Ecclesiastes 4.9. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their work. So one plus, plus one does not equal two. One plus one starts to equal 10. There's a multiplication factor that happens and you start seeing people come into faith and you're affecting people. You're, you're, you're making a difference, doing something that makes a difference with people who are making a difference. Making a difference, doing something that makes a difference with people who are making a difference. If you wanna be a part of a church that just gives you a seat on Sunday, and a pat on the back and we'll pray for you occasionally. This might not be the place for you, okay? We'll love you, we will pray for you, but I want all that God has for us. I want everything, I want, I want to go to the very top of that hill, whatever, however high that hill goes. We exist as a church to make a difference, doing something that makes a difference with a church family who wants to make a difference. We want to help church planners. If this, this church was planted 65 years ago and look at the beautiful fruit that it is today, I would love to, to plant churches. You know, we support Annie Armstrong. Let me just tell you this. This is some good news. So we did the Annie Armstrong North American mission that we sponsor and we gave close to $18,000, which is a massive number that may not mean anything to you. But I talked to uh, the director of the national, um, um, the NAM, uh, our North American uh, mission board. And uh, he said that Colonial Hill Baptist Church, of all of the churches that give to Annie Armstrong, and there's over a thousand, we were in the top 2% of giving. Come on, somebody. And he said, his words were, the other top 2% are churches way, 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 way bigger than you. So I'm not talking per capita. Per capita, we're probably in the top, 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 top. But he said, just in giving, we're blessing the kingdom of God. We're helping church. I would love for us as a church to just help a church planner. How about that? Just us, just fund a church planner or two or 10. I think it'd be just planting churches in Jesus' name. I, I would love, for, I've got so many ideas for this church. I've got a bucket list and make you blush. I, I would love for us to do, I'd love for us to bless our community. I would love for us to bless outside of communities. I would love for us to bless other churches. I'd love for other churches to say, what in the heck is going on at Colonial Hill Baptist Church? 
I want to make a difference. I want to leave a legacy. Is anybody with me? I don't want to just go to church and just sit there. I know, I'm just, getting, I'm just getting started here, and I'm just real excited about it all, but we're going somewhere. And, and I just, I want, I want a team who says, I'm ready to go with you. John 15, 8, two more verses, I'm done. It says, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So as disciples, we should show some fruit. And then just a few verses later in verse 11, I've told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. Let me be as clear as I possibly can be. You will never have complete joy in your life until you're making a difference, doing something that's making a difference with people who are making a difference. This time I love for all of us just to bow our heads and to close our eyes and I'm gonna pray over you. I know that God is speaking to some people in this room and you're saying, Reed, yeah, I've been sitting on the sidelines. I know I need to get in the game. Let me also say this. I, I, uh, I liked playing basketball growing up and uh, when I sat on the bench, nobody guarded me because I'm on the bench. But when, in, when I get in the game, I start to dominate. I'm just kidding, I really don't, but they have somebody guard me. And if I do get hot, start making some shots, they're gonna double team me, triple team me, scheme against me. That's what the enemy does. Some of you, the enemy's not, he doesn't care about you because you're sitting on the bench. Get in the game. Make a difference. Make some shots and let's see us win together. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, I know there's people in the room that are feeling that call of God. Read, I'm, I'm there. I need promise number four. I'm not fulfilled I know that, and I know I need to be serving in some capacity. What's my next step? Well, your next step would go to the Next Steps class next Sunday. We'll find out how you're wired. We'll discover that. Then in the weeks to come, we're going to develop that. And then you're going to start using that as part of a team to make a difference. And there's nothing greater. I promise. You just got to trust me.